Hi, friend. We have Dr. Julie Slattery of Authentic Intimacy talking about God, sex, and your marriage. I don't want to sound weird. Married or not, God is more interested in your sexuality than you are. Right in the middle of the scriptures, God says, eat friends, drink and drink deeply, lovers. If you're a Bible nerd, you may know that Bible translators tend to be modest with this book. You can see the show notes page for this episode for links and to take things further at jesussmart.com slash 242. I believe that Jesus Christ knows how our lives work best. He's passionate about developing his followers as intimate friends and co-agents in his kingdom. Had a great conversation with Dr. Julie Slattery of Authentic Intimacy. She's all about God's design for intimacy and sexuality, and she believes it's all connected to something much bigger than we likely know. Get ready to think about this theme in a more expansive way. She brings possibilities to the conversation. Hey, welcome to the podcast today. I think you're really going to enjoy our guest, Dr. Julie Slattery, an expert on sexuality and marriage. But let me ask you a couple of questions, if I could first. Can you and your spouse talk openly about sex? We know that communication in marriage is vital, right? But can you bring a high level of communication into the area of your sexuality in your marriage? Does sex create more conflict in your relationship or more unity? Kind of see it as a spectrum. Are you like on the conflict side or are you moving in the right direction towards the unity side? And what about shame, that long arm of shame that can reach from the past and really um, undermine our hope for intimacy in the present? We're going to talk about these sorts of themes today. Dr. Julie Slattery has a new book out. How are you doing, Dr. Julie? And welcome to the podcast today. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing really well and glad to be on today to share with you about this new resource. We're enjoying it, my wife and I. And by the way, I'm wondering, do you think that this content is valuable for those who are also anticipating marriage? Maybe they're dating or engaged. Uh, Maybe they just are anticipating marriage someday. Do you think it would be valuable for them to work through this content? Yeah, I certainly wrote it with married couples in mind, but also realizing that that we all need to understand God's design for marriage and sex within marriage. And I've had several singles read the book and tell me that it was really helpful for them and encouraging for them. And because even as a single, you are navigating uh, relationships, sexuality, the possibility of marriage or for, for many, they're looking back on a marriage that fell apart Mm -hmm. and trying to make sense of it. So in those situations, I think this could be a really helpful resource for them. Sure. Really get out in front of these issues and become proactive about it. Dr. Julie Slattery is a clinical psychologist. She's an author of, I believe, 12 books. She's the co-founder of Authentic Intimacy which is an organization, a ministry dedicated to reclaiming God's design for sexuality. I love that. Reclaiming God's design in all of all of life's domains. And in addition to speaking, she hosts a very popular podcast, Java with Julie. And in 2020, she launched sexualdiscipleship.com. Uh, that's an online platform, right? That is, um, is that for Christian leaders and teachers and parents to help equip them? Yeah, that's exactly true. So it's a platform 
just to help share uh, the all everything I've gleaned over the last decade of ministry and how can we be equipped to have conversations around sexuality um, that are biblically based and compassionate and really framed around the gospel message. Sure. That's sexualdiscipleship.com and and the main organization, authenticintimacy.com. And I know it's kind of been a maxim with you, hasn't it? The world is has has been out discipling the church in the area of sexuality, right? Right. That is becoming more and more evident um, as the issues are being more confused and complicated. But yeah, I, I really have a heart for the church to be equipped to do this discipleship work. Sure. She's the author of 12 books, including Rethinking Sexuality. I believe that's the one preceding this release, right, today. Passion, Pursuit, and Sex and the Single Girl. She and her husband, Mike, live in Akron, Ohio. Yes, the Buckeye State. We live in (laughs) Ohio as well. State motto, with God, all things are possible. Okay, that's Mm. that's pretty powerful in the nation. And uh, they have three grown, grown sons. I've been stunned to discover recently that research is suggesting, overwhelmingly suggesting, you actually have this in your book, that the pandemic, the recent pandemic, as if we need any other residual effects of the pandemic, it's further complicated intimacy and marriage. Is that how how is that happening? Well, I think that there are lots of variables. You know, for one, uh, I think people became more dependent on pornography because they were isolated, lonely. Uh, you know, stuck with uh, very few coping uh, outlets. And so the rise in pornography okay. use, both for singles and for marrieds, has grown. I, I think also it people will come out of the pandemic saying either we realize how much we love each other and how grateful we are for each other, or we realize that this marriage is like on the verge of not making it. Mm-hmm. And we really we really did not benefit from the close quarters and kind of over overlap of our, our lives. So, so those are some things complicating it. And then you add to it, the rising levels of depression, anxiety, uh, loss and grief, um, financial stress stressors. Mm-hmm. And it just, all those stressors don't happen in a vacuum. They impact our relationships, they Im- impact our mental health and they impact how we navigate issues of intimacy. Wow. So as if, you know, things couldn't get worse on some of these edges, we've had the amplifier of the pandemic, right, to even heighten some of these issues that we're dealing with. Yeah. Now, God's story of sex, you write in your book, I found this very fascinating, God's story of sex is under constant, intense attack. If you're a a reader of the Bible and you read to the end and you understand Genesis and the end of the scriptures, you understand that this all ends with a wedding, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The city of God comes down as the bride of Christ. We move into the new heavens and the new earth. The meta-narrative that God is pursuing is that of a wedding. I don't know. We don't have to be like an Albert Einstein in the spirit, do we, to understand that God's story of sex would come under constant, and and marriage, of course, the context of marriage would come under constant attack, right? Yeah, but Brian, I think most of us haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about uh, that meta narrative, thinking about why sex is so sacred, why marriage is um, so sacred, and also under such spiritual attack. In my experience and working with the church and growing up in the church, we have a very simplistic presentation of God's design for sex. And it usually doesn't involve 
um, pondering and applying this idea uh, that sexuality is really uh, this brilliant metaphor that teaches us about about that final wedding, about about God being a covenant making God, and and so if we don't understand that narrative, then we're not going to make the connections as to what spiritual attack might look like. And I actually think that's one of the spiritual attacks is kind of dumbing down our understanding of marriage oh, and sexuality yeah. so that it becomes legalistic, it becomes simplistic, um, and it can't stand up to the world's challenges. Mm, so, okay. um, yeah. And I don't know if that's been your experience, but my no, experience- No, that's my observation too. And yeah. I think Richard Foster says in his book, Celebration of Discipline, that the curse of our age is superficiality. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes sort of a general statement there. And, and, the, and the whole effect of dumbing down, there's so many just downstream negative effects of being dumbed down. Mm-hmm. Um in the way we like as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you know, the way we conceptualize things and uh, there's a, there's a price for that, isn't there? Not seeing the bigger picture. Yeah, there really is. And I, I've found that even among Christian leaders and pastors, like they can't articulate uh, this biblical narrative. They weren't taught it. Um, And so we tend to read the scripture as one piece, but then we pull out the passages that address sexuality as sort of this special topic instead of integrating that them mm. into the larger story. And uh, so that is sort of the paradigm shift that we really push in our ministry is helping teach that, that fuller narrative, because once you have that fuller narrative, it helps you have a context for how do we begin wrestling with the real life issues that we encounter? Sort of a sidebar, but, you know, Dallas Willard said that, you know, he talked about, you know, gospels of sin management as being insufficient and we don't have a uh, understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. Is, is that, does that sort of language, is that at play here when we're talking about this? Yeah, I really do think it is. Uh, you know, uh, again, I we have to think more deeply. We need to disciple more comprehensively. We need to read the Bible um, in context of the larger message and not just pull out passages to preach on and study on as if they're in isolation. And there are a lot of examples of that within the context of sexuality. Uh, you know, like one example of it is when you pull out First Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, and you interpret that as, uh, as sex is all about a duty within marriage. And you have a duty to meet your your spouse's sexual needs. If you just teach those five verses, yeah, without the context of all of Scripture, absolutely, you end, you end up with um, with teaching that not only isn't helpful but can actually turn into abuse. Uh, and I think the same is true when we teach when we teach about sexual immorality. We have to teach about it, but we have to teach about it within the context of. God's God's heart for our redemption and our purity instead of teaching about it as a one-off. Yeah, let's uh, let's touch on that. You mentioned that God's concept of sexuality, of human sexuality, you know, we're created in his image. He created a man. He created a woman in his image. He placed them in the garden. He gave them a creation mandate to to really, I believe, I guess, through their descendants and through time to extend that garden through the earth, you know, rule, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, cultivate it. You do mention in your book that God's understanding of, of what sexuality should be extends far beyond the sexual purity movement. 
I know there's recently been a conversation about that within the church, and he's calling us to sexual integrity. He's calling us beyond sexual purity to sexual integrity. Purity is really, uh, it has been taught in terms of behavior. So don't have sex until you get married uh, or don't look at pornography. And so it's defining sexual morality only in terms of behavior and sexual purity in terms of behavior. Uh, When we read the larger message of the gospel, we actually see that our purity comes through Uh, our relationship with Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and the fact that he makes us a new creation. And we are now in God's eyes, amazingly viewed through the righteousness and the purity of Christ. But then we're called as Christians to steward our lives in a way that's worthy of that gospel. That's consistent with that, with that new person that God has made us. And that's the concept of integrity that, Everything about my life should be a consistent reflection of who God says that I am, of the truths that that I put my faith in, and that it, that extends into every sexual conversation. So, for example, mm-hmm. if we're only talking about purity, what do we do with our sexual wounds from the past? Really, purity gives us no context for that. But integrity means, okay, uh, if, if I have sexual wounds from the past, I have to believe by faith that God is the healer, that he understands my brokenness, uh, that he is close to the brokenhearted, that he provides uh, healing and redemption in every aspect of my woundedness. I want to cover my wounds with the truth of who God says that I am. So integrity is this call, this richness of healing, of redemption, of if I have sexual sin in my past, it's integrity means that I by faith believe God when he says that I've removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. Uh, if I am a Christian and I'm not, I'm not embracing that message, I lack integrity. Mm. Um, yeah. And one more application, like to a married couple Purity just says, keep sex within your marriage, but there's no call to grow in how you love each other in maturity. And uh, there's no guidance for what do you do when sex is physically painful or how do you navigate the differences of desire between how often a husband might want to have sex versus the wife? Mm-hmm. Or what do you do if uh, because of trauma, sex is so triggering that you can't engage in it? And um, the purity message has no teaching in navigating those sorts of issues where sexual integrity, it does. It, it calls us to a journey of maturity in every application of, uh, of God's truth to our sexuality. Hmm. So to be integrous is to be on a continuum, a journey of becoming whole. Right. Holistic. Yeah. yeah um, like, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, Jesus said the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. There's no room for this part of my life that just doesn't seem to make sense uh, or that I reserve is too personal to invite God into. It's all. Uh, and, And because of our lack of teaching on sexuality and because of our simplistic teaching, I think the average Christian has no idea of how to integrate 
the life of Christ within how they steward their sexuality. Hmm. So we are to become holy, right? We, you, you shall be holy as your Father God is holy, Jesus said. But holiness, you're saying, is more than just like abstaining from sex before marriage in this application, but it is a quest to become whole. Right. To, to become consecrated and set apart, healed, restored, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the call to take seriously the words of God into every area of our lives uh, and apply it to every area of our lives, including sexuality. You claim in your book that most married people are sexually active, but not sexually intimate. That's a That's a pretty powerful statement. Not sexually intimate. It may seem simplistic, but what's the difference there? And um, obviously, that that must be based upon your clinical experience, your exposure to people all over the country, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and your conferences, your feedback from your, your your content. Sexually active, but not sexually intimate. Yeah. So sexual activity is focusing on our bodies. It's focusing on the active intercourse um, and the kinds of questions that people ask. Really really highlights this ultra focus on the physical. Um, They will ask, how often should we be having sex? And what do I do if I'm no longer sexually attracted to my spouse? Um, Or they will, and this is really common for one reason or another, intercourse isn't happening. It can be because of um, body issues it can be because of aging and hormones. It can be because of trauma, uh, physical pain. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, intercourse isn't possible. And so the couple just assumes because we can't do that, then we just shut down our sex life without realizing that the gift of sexuality is actually this invitation to be deeply known in the most vulnerable and intimate aspects of who you are. Um, and so I actually believe that for a lot of couples for a season, they might need to stop focusing on sexual activity so that they can start engaging in sexual intimacy, which is um, being able to talk about sex and share deeply about the meaning of sex for each of them and uh, explore where they've been wounded in the past and where they might need healing and sh- share the journey of what it looks like for them to build together a fulfilling sex life uh, and how they overcome barriers like pornography use or, um, or a lack of communication or betrayal. Those are all invitations to true intimacy. But, uh, but we tend to just say, well, as long as we're checking the box of having sex once a week, we're good. Right. Yeah. Your book is not just called Sex. It's not just called Sex and Your Marriage. But hell forbid, if I could say it that way, it's called God, Sex and Your Marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, this must really, I, I, I can just use my, I guess, my sanctified imagination and imagine that um, the powers of darkness do not like this this concept, God, sex, and your marriage. And I'm sure there are elements in our culture that would be a you know, in our society today, uh, which would have great, you know, consternation about what do you mean our creator God involved in our sex lives? But you're saying that he is, right? Mm-hmm. He is yeah, involved. What, 
whether you want him there or not, you know, uh, he created it. It was his idea. And we know through scripture that he is everywhere. Uh, And that can be an intimidating or, or creepy thought. Or it could be a very comforting thought, like when David says in one third Psalm one thirty nine, "Is there anywhere I can go from your presence? Mm. Uh, do I even have a thought that you don't know before I think it?" Um, and when we apply that to the fact that God knows every sexual thought I have, and God is there uh, when when I'm having sex with my spouse or God is there when I'm sexually sinning or God is in the room when I'm looking at pornography. Uh, we have to have this awareness that, that God again wants to redeem every aspect of who we are and there's nothing hidden from his sight. And therefore, instead of that being an intimidating or condemning presence, the invitation is God, will you help me? And will you help me in my moment of failure, my moment of temptation? Will you help build intimacy in our marriage? Will you be with us as we enjoy this gift you have given? Um, and so, and so, acknowledging His presence and inviting uh, Him to begin the redemptive work that He He sent Jesus to do. Yes, it's an issue of design, isn't it? Higher design. I like the phrase "designer sex," meaning God as designer. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's reflective of you're saying of covenant love. So sex is not glandular. <laughs> it's not, you know, like animalistic or purely natural in that way. It's even beyond romantic and pleasure, isn't it? Sort of a hallmarky kind of a concept of it. But you're saying it's a reflection of covenant love. Yeah, and and it's all those things that you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, it, it, okay. there are glands involved, there are hormones involved. Yes, um, but the difference between us and animals is that we are called to steward our desires and our longings in a way that is reflective of the larger spiritual truth. Uh, we're we're called to steward our sexuality um, with a higher aspiration of it being linked to covenant. Uh, and being an expression of covenant. So um, yes, sex is meant to be pleasurable. It was created to be that way. Uh, all of that is part of it. But but anytime we take a part and we and we build a whole understanding of sex based on one part, yeah. it's going to be skewed. Uh, and that's not only what the culture has done, but it's also unfortunately what the church has done. They've taken one piece of what sex is and build a simplistic theology based on that. Yeah. So the church, a lot of the church, a lot of the messaging, the teaching, or the absence of it has created sometimes hurtful uh, responses in people, certainly incomplete, maybe non-existent. You know, how damaging must it be for the church to say nothing about married sexuality, right? It's just a vacuum. Yeah. It's just like a non. It's not important. There's no value to it. Is 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 the message there? So, mm-hmm. but moving from the hurt or the incompleteness or even the non-existence and moving towards the Creator's heart, leaning into the Creator's heart for sexuality. And I think you have a, a quote or or a phrase, an excerpt from your your book that. This is a key to unlocking the power and beauty of this great gift in ways that you may not be able to imagine. Yeah, uh, I, I really believe it is. 
sex is so multifaceted and it was created to be that way. It was created um, to image, again, God's relationship with us, which is multifaceted. So, um, so the more we understand the design uh, and the intention behind that design, mm. the more we're able to actually bring a redemptive perspective into the things that we struggle with. So, so for example, let's say you've got a couple who is struggling with an issue of pornography. Uh, if you just take the culture's message, the culture would say, well, that's not such a big deal. Like pornography can help spice up your sex life. Uh, and then they go down a bad path with that because it sabotages intimacy. Mm -hmm. But if that same couple goes to the church, the church might say pornography is bad. Um, you know, whoever's using it is the bad guy. They're breaking their covenant. You need to, you need to divorce them or, or you know, shame them. And that's, that's what often happens. Um, but if you look at the fuller message of sexuality in light of the gospel, we see that pornography is a distortion of what God created sex to be. And um, we also understand that pornography can be uh, something that's enslaving uh, very much even in our brain chemistry, the constant use of porn mm -hmm. develops over time neuropathways that are very difficult to break. Right. And that a couple recovering from this has a greater goal than the absence of porn. They actually have the goal of inviting God to redeem these wounds and to, to forge them into deeper intimacy with each other and with, uh, with, him, with God. And I've seen that happen over and over with couples who would say, like, I can't believe how close we are today and how our relationship with God has grown because of the trial that we've gone through related to pornography. Uh, and so this is, a, and we could apply this to so many different practical examples, sure. but if you don't have the right view of what God is calling us to work towards, you don't, you don't even know how to begin starting to address your problems. And, um, and that's, that's unfortunate what I see happening a lot. Sure. It's like being lost in the weeds, right? Yeah. I ran across this phrase in like personal finance. It says, when in doubt, zoom out, you know, look at the bigger picture. Like, mm -hmm. like right now with the stock market, for example, if you just look at the math of a mutual fund or something right now, you could freak out. But Zoom out, look at the larger picture, look at the history of the market, look how economies rebound. That's that's kind of what they mean by it. When in doubt, zoom out. But mm -hmm. I think there's application here, isn't there? I mean, instead of getting lost in the micro, we have to zoom out and see the bigger picture. What is the horizon that God has in mind? What he's right. where things are moving towards the sacred romance mm -hmm. between God and his people, and then begin to um to fit the practice of your life into into that framework, and and you're yeah. you're saying it's much more opportunity for like um, redemption, right? And and successfully navigating, right? And redemption means something good came out of what was bad. Yeah, um, where God doesn't erase your history. Um, sometimes the pain is still there, but now there is a sacred meaning 
to what you've walked through. Yeah, meaning. And you can actually see um, the growth of your character. You can see, again, the intimacy of your marriage being greater because you walk through a challenge. Yeah, meaning is one of the deepest needs of the human being, you know. Again, Dallas Willard, I'm kind of a fan, fanboy, but, you know, he said one of the things that made Jesus so attractive was the empowerment of the human condition, mm-hmm. you know, that he brought. But meaning, I, th- I think you do quote Viktor Frankl in your book, you know, if... Mm-hmm. What did he say? If, if your why is big enough, you can endure any how? Is, was it, right, he, was it right. he who said that? Yeah, something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. So his whole thing, like in the in the trauma of even the German uh, concentration camps, if if a person was able to find meaning, they had a much more uh, uh, much more fruitful chance of surviving and, and flourishing through it. Yeah, and so, you know, let's say you have, uh, you have a situation where... Um, and this could be reversed, but in, in many cases, a husband gets married believing that every sexual desire and fantasy that I ever want will be met with in marriage. Mm-hmm. And then he quickly finds that his wife is not uh, very interested in sex, doesn't know how to enjoy it, maybe actively avoids sex. And uh, that husband is now saying, wow, I got duped, you know, like. Uh, this was supposed to be fulfilling. I'm not fulfilled. Does that mean I have the freedom to divorce? Does that mean that I should be looking at pornography? Like this is broken in my marriage. If you're stuck there, how do you move forward? Hmm. And uh, if you don't zoom back and see the bigger picture of what is God actually calling us to? What is he doing? What is he asking us to create within our sexual relationship? Hmm. If you zoom back, you can actually see there's a potential for a deeper forging of intimacy and growth between the husband and wife in that situation. Um, Instead of just being frustrated and feeling like, well, we're just incompatible. This is never going to work. You know, God ultimately wants to shape us into his character and his character involves uh, sacrificial love. It involves um, being gracious to each other. It involves uh, the pursuit of one another's heart, not just trying to get a transaction of what we desire, but the pursuit of understanding each other's heart. Right. Uh, he wants to teach us to be merciful and forgiving and loving. Mm-hmm. And a challenge like that within a sex life provides opportunity for all that kind of growth if you'll if you'll say yes to it. Yeah, it may be a call to develop psychological intimacy with one another, emotional and mental intimacy, right? As as sort of yeah. a key element of overall intimacy in the marriage and even of course spiritual intimacy. Right. Right. And as and as the couple begins to develop those those aspects of intimacy, maybe even primarily because and the sexual part wasn't working the way they'd hoped it would. Now sex takes on a new meaning. It becomes this integrated expression of intimacy instead of uh, a negotiation of each other's needs. A negotiation of just like transaction, transactional sexual needs, right? But right. more of a transformational approach to the relationship, a holistic uh, growth and sanctification. And, and And we all know that marriage is... <laughs> about a lot of growth, isn't it? You don't stop growing 
when you no. walk, walk down the aisle, for goodness sake. No. In, in some sense, you just find a higher gear and it starts right there. Yeah. Um, but very true. Wonderful book. God, God, sex and your marriage. This is a kind of book that, you know, I heard somebody say recently, if you even have an inkling to get a book, just buy it because one good idea, seriously, one concept, it could be a business book. It, it could be anything, but one good idea can make such a, a giant difference. So like the 15 or $20 that it costs to get a book, you know, just just get it and and I, I I'm a fan of gifting books you mm-hmm. know like like a, like a graduation thing I'm not interested mm-hmm. in giving money I I, mm-hmm. I, I want to give books that's sort of the way I roll a Christmas time comes around you know I, my wife and I are negotiating Christmas gifts for the kids and you know I'm I'm leaning into books yeah um, now you describe four pillars four key pillars of God's love for us to help us have the right perspective about sexual intimacy and marriage. Could you briefly go through those four? The first one is faithfulness. Go through those four pillars and how we can apply that here to our to our marriage relationship, including our, our sexuality. Sure, yeah. So the first pillar is uh, that our sexual relationship has to have a foundation of faithfulness. And again, I drew these pillars from looking at what's true about our covenant with God. And our relationship okay. with God would not exist without his faithfulness, without our, our, our confidence that he will be true to his character and he is who he says he is and faithfulness in in marriage and in the sexual relationship is often treated as sort of a special topic, like for those who struggle with infidelity or with pornography. Okay. But what I really wanted to communicate is faithfulness. Faithfulness is an issue for all of us. Mm. Uh, it's about being a trustworthy person uh, and being true to your promise that you made to each other, uh, having even a healthy jealousy within the marriage relationship where you know that you you belong exclusively to each other within sure. the sexual relationship. So that's the first pillar. The second pillar we talked about a little bit already, but is intimate knowing that the purpose of covenant is for deep, intimate fellowship. And the purpose of your sex life is not just uh, to meet some physical need. It's an invitation to go deeper into knowing each other. The third pillar is sacrificial giving uh, and love that, you know, when we look at our relationship with God, it would not be possible if he had not sent his son Jesus to die for us. And God is always giving of himself for our benefit. And he calls us within covenant with him to lay down our life and follow him. And what does he say? Greater, greater love that no one has, right. Than they they lay down their life for another. Yeah. Take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. So if that is the picture of marriage, then why would marriage and sexuality not also speak of that? Like we expect sex and marriage to be effortless, to not require anything from (laughs) us. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not love. Uh, love always requires something from us. And yet it uh, always, rele- like the way of the cross, always releases the life of God and the power of God in our life, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. There's no resurrection power without without dying to self. Uh, and the same is true in your sex life, uh, that when you learn that there's something beautiful when about both of you having that 
that attitude of sacrificing for each other, uh, your sex life will, will have a new life to it, a new energy to it. And then the fourth pillar is passionate celebration. Um, that, uh, that throughout the scripture, we are commanded to worship God, to set apart time to celebrate him, to sing our praise to him, just to enjoy his presence. And that's a big part of sexuality in marriage is setting time aside regularly to praise each other, to enjoy each other, uh, to celebrate the covenant that we have both in good times and bad times. And we have a physical way of doing that. Uh, so and that is one of the reasons why God made sex to be pleasurable, because it's meant to be a celebration of our covenant. I love it. Otherwise, false celebration will come in that vacuum, right? The celebration yeah. of the world will be sold to us and we'll, and we'll, and we'll probably buy it. That's right. Yeah. Um, but we have to be, be aware of the fact that that celebration of sex is a celebration of covenant. And so when we have the sexual pleasure outside of the covenant, again, we lack integrity um, because it's meant to be a celebration of covenant. Yes. Um, yeah. The purpose you said in your book, the purpose of saving sex for marriage, to use that phrase from maybe the purity, purity movement is a higher purpose. It's because of the covenant that marriage represents and what are, and the covenant, the greater covenant that it reflects, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, that's why it's so sacred. So, you know, you take the example sacred of, <laughs> you take the example of communion. You know, we are told that Jesus ushered in a new covenant for us and that one of the signs of, of our covenant with him is communion. And so we are regularly to do something physical to remember that spiritual truth. Okay. We take, we take the body and the blood of Christ physically as a celebration, a reminder of our covenant with Jesus. And then what does Paul say about communion? He says, if you take this bread in this cup in an unworthy manner, in other words, you're not in covenant with God. You're not in right standing with God. You eat and drink judgment upon yourself. Oh, I know where this is going. Go ahead. <laughs> now it's now it's become sacred. Yep. Like this symbol is sacred. And in a similar way, we have to understand that all the teaching around sexual immorality, which is so strong, is that way because God created sex to be a sacred symbol of covenant. Yes. And when we take the symbol and we use it apart from uh, the, the worthiness of covenant, we are... It says in First Corinthians six, we're sinning against our own bodies. Right. Um, and if we don't understand that link uh, of all through the scripture, what a covenant is, and every covenant has a sign, and that sign becomes sacred, we don't understand. Then we won't understand God's heart for sexuality and why He calls it sacred. Wow, you're saying that it is sacramental. It is a means of grace. Yes, and if you and if you partake of it in an unworthy way, you eat and drink judgment to yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in the Song of Solomon, doesn't doesn't the Creator say over the man and the woman, eat and drink and yeah. fulfill yourselves and celebrate? Right. Yeah, imbibe deeply. Like I'm imbibe blessing deeply. this. Yes, because yes, yes. This is what this was for. Wow. Um, ah, that is that's that's dynamic, right? Just just that is dynamic. 
that's the higher order design that we have to pursue as a Christ follower. I mean, uh, whether we're talking about marriage and sexuality or any other domain of life, um, the Lord has design in mind. There's a way that things work, right, Dr. Julie? There is. Yeah, God created with intention uh, and with order. And the, the scripture, again, is so clear that you have the freedom to go against that order, but you don't have freedom from the consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, there's a way that he designed us to steward our sexuality. And when we choose to go outside of that, there will be eventually consequences for us personally and also as a culture. Mm-hmm. And conversely, we forfeit the blessings, right? The rewards, the blessings of integrity, obedience, right? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I so appreciate this. Um, Dr. Julie, would you mind praying over us? And um, the Lord has graced you and gifted you with truth. And I believe you have an anointing in this space. Would you mind um, praying over listeners, praying over us in this regard? Sure, I would love to. Lord, I do just thank you for the beauty of what you've created. And I continue to learn uh, year after year, just uh, more about your your majesty and your creativity and your holiness. And we're all on that journey. And I just pray for every listener uh, that you would show them how to take the next step of just surrendering this area of their life to you. And I pray for those uh, for whom this conversation has created a sense of guilt or shame. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak um, to that individual and just give them the assurance, Lord, that when we confess our sin, that you are faithful and just to not only forgive our sin, but also to completely cleanse us from our unrighteousness Mm -hmm. and to cover us with your righteousness. And Lord, we just pray for freedom. We pray for freedom from Um, from the ways our flesh just keeps us from you. But we also pray for freedom from the bondage of shame and guilt that you came to release us from. And we just thank you for the work that you're doing in each of our lives. In Mm -hmm. Jesus' name, amen. 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 It's such a high leverage activity. You know, there are certain life domains, Dr. Julie, that you want to invest in, you know? And I would mm. I would say that marriage and sexuality is right at the top of the list. Yeah, you know, there's so much even generational residual effects of that legacy. You know, your your genealogical tree, like you know, wellness and finances would be other big areas, and um, the kingdom contribution that you bring to the table. You know, really looking at mm. your, your you know your gift set and your calling, your assignment as God mm. as God brings you through seasons in your life, but. This high leverage activity, I just encourage, like, personally, I'm just, you know, my little tiny soapbox here, but, you know, I encourage deep reading and then praying it, you know, getting the verses and and just kind of praying it hot over your life. Super high leverage uh, activity that pays enormous dividends over time. And, um, and, and, And then, you know, catalyzing that in others, sparking that in others, give them books, encourage them. You know, the Bible says... Stimulate one another to love and good works, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, becoming an agent of, of of change in people's lives. I um 
I'm just a fan of that. I, I want to get better at it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. And, um, and I can just encourage that in others as well who are listening. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Julie. God, sex, and your marriage. Always love talking with you. I love what you're doing. I love your kingdom worldview and your design approach to things. Um, just so appreciate what you're doing. I know well, thank you'll, you. I know I, you'll keep I, going. I, yeah, yeah, we'll keep going as long as God, God gives us life. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And on a side note, let me mention just to you personally, since you live in Ohio, do you know about our conference coming up in October? Obviously should know about that. And I don't. Tell me, let tell me, me tell me, me the details. Yeah, I'll tell you the details and I'll send you a link. We have um, a conference coming up on this topic of just God's design for sex and marriage. And it's... um. I'll send you the link. Okay, great. Okay, yeah, it's going to be at in Middleburg Heights. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, what what is the venue there? Grace Church. Okay, Middleburg Grace Church, Heights. a very big yeah. church in Middleburg Heights. So, Wonderful. Yeah, and I so, just sent you, I just sent you a link. Okay, thank you. Um, and I'll put that on the show notes page. And if anybody goes to like authenticintimacy.com, they could get the details for that. Yeah, they could. This is kind of the direct link to that event page, but okay. um, but you can find it through the website too. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. We, have, we have a good amount of listeners, obviously, in Ohio. And mm-hmm. so, um, again, see, you learn these things and apply them to your life, and then you can help your own kids, your own grandkids, your friends. That's right. I it, know. It, it just proliferates. That's what we hope to do. Yeah. It's more sure. than just the people who attend the conference. Yeah. It can proliferate from there. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Dr. Julie. Have a wonderful rest of the summer. Yeah. And uh, that conference is in October. It I'm, is. I'm going to have to... Um, Penny and I are going to have to be there. I'm going to make a yeah, I'm going to well, make a good. public commitment that we are going to be there. There, I have good. to come now. And, I've said it. And I hope you come up and introduce yourself so I can meet you in person. Yeah, very good. Okay, thank you, Dr. Julie. Appreciate it. All right, it. thank you. All right, bye. Thank you, Dr. Julie Slattery, for the value that you bring to this vital theme. Friend, avail yourself of what Dr. Julie offers at AuthenticIntimacy.com and SexualDiscipleship.com. She has an excellent podcast as well. Search for it on your favorite app, Java with Julie. Go to the show notes page, JesusSmart.com slash 242 for links and to just push this edge a little further. You can learn more about Dr. Julie Slattery there. While you're there, you may be interested in other episodes and articles. Hey, let's stay connected on the podcast. You can subscribe in your favorite listening app and be notified when new episodes go live. I know you know someone who wants to hear this. Would you share this episode and pass it along to them? What she brings is that good, isn't it? Friend, the future belongs to Jesus and so does the now. He's brilliant. Walk with him and you'll catch his brilliance in a unique way.